0: Amen. Good morning. You have a seat. Good to see everybody. I had to ask somebody before this service if the Super Bowl was tonight. It is, right? I think they made an announcement about it, but kind of had my kind of had my head in the sand the last few days. I do think I know who's playing. It, Kansas City and San Francisco, right? Who's got Kansas City? Kansas City. Who's got? San Francisco? Who doesn't care? Who's just going to eat a lot of food? Who didn't get invited to a party? All right, so anyway, um, we're going to wrap up this series traction uh, today, and uh, next week we're actually going to start a series where we're going to be looking at uh, prayer and worship and how important that is. and um, Uh, today though we're going to wrap this up before we jump in though I do want to say this last Sunday was incredible the services were incredible but but really um the prayer time that night that we had at six o'clock was really really awesome and I want to say thank you to those of you who came out um, because we had more people who came to pray um than than we've ever had before and that's awesome because it's not hey we can clap for that it's a good thing And that's awesome, not because of the numbers, but because of the heart to pray, right? The heart to seek God, the heart to cry out to God, to do what only He can do. And what we need to realize is that prayer is an indicator of our dependence on God. And we can't do the work of God in the world if we're not leaning into Him. All right, John 15 tells us that, that apart from Him, we can do nothing. But if we will abide in him, then he'll produce much fruit in us. And so um, I was excited to see that. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see this culture and desire to pray, um, continue to grow and be stirred. I can tell you this, when prayer becomes the most, the, the prayer times become the most important part of our service, we'll, be, we'll see God do incredible things. Um, but, we'll, but we've got to be crying out to him to move and, and to work in our hearts and lives, aligning ourselves with him. So as I said, we're going to finish up uh, this traction series right there. Um, and uh, next week, start the prayer and, and worship series. Uh, today, though, I do want to um, go through a couple of things. Some of you have seen these things many times and you're tired of seeing them. Um, for Maybe this will be the last week. I don't know for a little while. But we've been talking the last few weeks about how we need to grow in these four growth areas. Uh, We talked for months about this foundation and filling in some of our understanding of, of who Jesus is and what it means to be um, in the fullness of Christ or our identity in Christ. We've talked about a clear call to the church, Jesus's people, a clear call to Jesus's mission. And we've been looking at how these four growth areas really build off of this foundation. And so one of them is uh, that we've talked about growing and knowing God as I follow Jesus, as I grow closer to God, um, what is that? What's that look like? How do I do that? Um, we've talked about fullness in Christ. I gave you this definition of growing into the fullness of Jesus. It's becoming fully integrated into the new creation I've already become. We've talked about the not, the, the, I'm already not yet thing. I've been given Jesus' righteousness, but then I'm now growing into this righteousness. I'm clothed in Christ. Now I'm growing into the image of Christ. And so we looked at that. We talked about growing into the body of Christ, which uh, gave you this definition, becoming fully integrated into the new community we've already become. So Jesus has already made us one with him. Now we're growing into this body together. We're one with him, one with each other, but growing to maturity, to be able to give an accurate reflection of Jesus to the world. We're not just um, symbolically the body of Christ. Now we are the body of Christ in the world to represent him to people. And so we've looked at that. Today, we're going to talk about that last one, which is growing the kingdom of God. You think back several weeks, even months ago, we talked about this a lot, that our purpose in life and in the church as God's people is uh, to fill the earth with God's image, and to transform it in a way that brings him glory. Another way to think about that is to go in and and begin to um, share the gospel with people so that all the earth would declare the glory of God, that all the earth, as far as the people praising him, that people um, in all the earth would declare um, praises to him, and, and really seeing the world beginning to be shaped and transformed back into what God had intended uh, through the love of Christ, through the power of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And and so um, that's what we're going to look at today is some ways specifically that we as Connection Church, as this body feel called. And and some of this has come, the things we're going to share today have come from people in the congregation some of it's come from things God put in my heart or someone else's heart on staff but I want you to see today some really big things that God has put on our hearts to do as a church beginning this year um, and so I want to pray uh, and then I want to go back to Joshua chapter one and um, we've been launching from there the last few weeks I will say this guys this, this is gonna be kind of a, a different kind of message. This is gonna be a lot about vision and where we're going as a church. Um, so it'll be a little bit different, but I hope it'll be exciting to you. It's exciting to me to see these things and to think about what God um, can and will do through each of them. So why don't we pray and then we'll read some of Joshua 1. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, that we can come and worship you, Lord, that we can come and be in your presence, God. I thank you, Father, that we are able to um, draw near to you, God, and that we know that you draw near to us, that you, God, are with us always, and God, that we're two and more gathered. Lord, you are there. I pray right now we would be awakened more and more and more to your presence, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help us, God, to see more clearly who you are and who we're called to be in you, Lord and that what the church exists for, God. Help us to see that, embrace that, God. Empower us to do that, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So let's pick up in Joshua one. We've read this the last few weeks, but I wanna hit this one more time, and then we'll, uh, we'll move on. It says, Joshua one, verse one, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. We talked about this statement of Moses, my servant is dead. We recognize there's a transition happening. There's a movement beginning. Talked about how we felt like that's where we've been as a church, that God was preparing us to move into something new. Um, And he tells them that, that you and these people, Joshua wasn't going alone. It was the people, the community, this unique community that God had established to go in and do the work of God, to be his people. He promises them, "I'll give you every place where the soul, your soul of your foot treads." He tells them in verse four, how big the territory will be. He tells them in verse five, he says this, "No one will be able to stand against your, you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. He goes on and tells them to be strong and courageous three times. He tells them to obey all the law that he gave to Moses. He tells them to keep this in front of him, always on his lips, to meditate on it day and night. He says, then you'll be prosperous and successful. And he goes on in verse 12 and he gives some instructions um, to some of the tribes of Israel that Uh, were with them. He says, But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, ready for battle, must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you. And until you have taken possession of the land, the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. And so when we look at this, we see where there's a transition that's happened from Moses to Joshua. There's a movement that's begun. They're about to go into the promised land. We see the promises of God that he's given them. And so we know um, that, that as people, we've talked about this traction. As people, we, we walk um, and gain traction by taking steps of faith on the promises of God. We do that confidently when we know the, the one who upholds those promises, that, that is God himself. And we know his character and nature is what gives those promises, um, it's assurance. And so that's one of the reasons we talked about it's important to grow in knowing God. If we're gonna step in faith, trusting God, we need to know the God that we're trusting. Right, And so we need to see that. When we look at this, um, he's made all these promises. He tells them to be strong and courageous three times. And then he tells them, listen, to the Reubenites, the Gadites, these other tribes, he said, your fighting men are gonna go in and they're gonna help them take this land. But once they've been given rest, they've been given this land, then you come back and you occupy the land you've been given. There's something really important in that because as the church, we need to see that God's plan and purpose for us has never changed. That in the beginning in Genesis, he tells us that our purpose was to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, right? To fill it with people who've been created in the image of God. But today our purpose is really the same. We've been called as people who have now been recreated into the image of God, into the image of Christ, to go and take ground, to begin to renew the face of the earth, not to go and take it violently, but to go and take it with the good news of Christ, the love of God, to bring light into dark places. That's what God has called us to do. If we're going to do that, then we need to step in faith. We've gotta give God um, something to work with, right? We can't just sit here. Listen, um, we're not gonna see it happen by sitting in this room. We gotta get into the community. We gotta do things in the community. We gotta do things for the community. If we really wanna see God um, glorified and taking ground, taking back places that are dark and, and empty and bringing the light of Christ into them. I wanna talk to you about how some ways that I feel like God has called us to do this. Um, There's a verse in Acts chapter 17. Let's turn there real quick. So let's keep this thought in mind. We wanna take ground. We wanna bring the light to the darkness. In Acts chapter 17, I love this passage that we're about to look at. It's in in the very first part of Acts 17, Paul and some people with him they go the apostle Paul goes into a a place called Thessalonica city there begins to preach the gospel some Jews come to faith some Greeks come to faith and God's moving he's taking ground he's brought light into the darkness of Thessalonica grounds being taken verse five says this though but other Jews were jealous So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. A more literal translation of that phrase is these men who have turned the world upside down have now come here. He says, they're all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. I love that passage because to me, this is the type of movement that the church should be a part of. To me, this is the type of movement that I wanna be a part of. I wanna be a part of this and realizing that people can look at how God has used us and say, these people have turned the world upside down. Isn't that what Jesus did when he came to earth? is he came in and he, he caused worldview collisions with people because everything he said went against their mindsets. Everything he said was flipping things upside down. It's why he encountered opposition, because he was flipping things upside down, which was really flipping things right side up. And so when we see this, this is what we're called to do is to continue this movement of Christ, to be a people who are flipping things right side up and being used by God in this way. And so as a church, we're gonna begin to take some steps of faith and see this. How many of you have been around? I'm gonna do this a little different than I did at um, nine. I I wanna have a little more time at the end. How many of you have been around long enough to remember a message I've preached um, about the empty jars with Elisha and the empty jars? Some of y'all remember that? we've talked about that a couple of times. And the gist of that, I'm not gonna go back and read each of these scriptures. I just wanna remind you of some things we've talked about in the past. The gist of that message is this. Elisha comes to this widow. This widow's husband has died. Um, his creditors are coming to take her children as slaves to pay off the debt. She cries out to Elijah. She's like, look, I don't have anything. He says, what do you have? She's like, I got a little oil. He says, go gather up as many empty jars as you can find. He says, don't get a few. He comes and they bring those empty jars. She begins to fill the jars with the oil. And those jars, every time she'd fill one, she set it to the side. They'd give her another one, she'd fill it. And every empty jar they gave her, the oil never ran out just kept filling the jars until finally they reached for one and they didn't have any more. One of the things we've seen in this church is that every time we'll take a step of faith to give God an empty jar, he always fills it. We've never seen a time where God led us into something, be it a big jar or a little bitty jar. We take a step of faith and God not come through to do what he promised to do. I told you a few weeks ago, you remember when we talked about um, Elijah, the prophet Elijah, you remember this? When, when he was doing battle, he basically had a, had a showdown with uh, the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. You remember that on Mount Carmel? And, and the, the prophets of Baal and Asherah, they, they made their, Altar and put their sacrifice on it. They called out to their God. Elijah Elijah said, Whichever sacrifice, you you know, if your God lights his sacrifice on fire and and, and he lights it on fire, then we'll know that your God is the real God. But he said, If my God lights the sacrifice on fire, we'll know that my God is the real God. And you remember, they built an altar, they sacrificed a bull, they put the bull on it, they, they began to dance around and shout and yell all day long. They cut themselves with swords, doing all this stuff, trying to get this fake, dead, mute, idol God to light this, this sacrifice on fire. Elijah's over there, he's even mocking him. He's like, hey, maybe he went on vacation. And then Elijah steps up and he's like, God, I, I just pray to you I pray that you'll light this on fire God that they can see that you're the one true God and that you they would see you're turning the hearts of these people back to you and bam and, and the scripture says that the, the sacrifice burn up, the wood burn up, the stone burn up and the soil burn up, that's a hot fire. God burned it up and and, and all the people began to worship and praise God. And I told you in that message that it convicted me because so many times I'll say, God, stir my heart, God, do something through me, God, work in my heart, God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And and when I, I read that the other day, it was like, God said, Brandon, sometimes you ask me to light things on fire, to stir you, to do this, but you don't give me anything to burn. Listen, time to give God some empty jars. It's time to give God something to burn. I told you in that same message, 1 Kings chapter 19, when he goes and calls Elisha, the one who eventually will do this miracle with the widow's oil. He goes and calls Elisha. He says, come follow me. Elisha begins to follow me. He says, let me go back and kiss my father and mother goodbye. So Elisha begins to go back. He gets back and it says that he takes the oxen. He'd been plowing. He was a farmer. He's plowing with these oxen and he takes the oxen and he sacrifices the oxen. And then he takes the plow and he burns the plow. And see, here's the thing we took away from that is that is a point of no return. Like if he gets to follow in Elijah and Elijah, you know, he's following, he's like, "Ah, I think I'm going to go back. What's he going back to? He just burned his livelihood, killed his livelihood, right? And so it was a point of no return. It was a step of faith that said, I'm all in. Well, people listen, I told you then, and today is one of the days we're going to take a big step into this, that we are at a place where we're about to start burning some plows. Y'all excited? All right. So, so I wanna roll some of these out to you today. Now listen, here's what something that I'm bad about. I recognized this eight years ago and I'm still bad about it. I have this quality that's not good that I get a lot of stuff in my heart and it's like I put all that stuff in the back of a dump truck And then, like you're right here, and I go, and I dump all of it on you at one time. So, this is gonna be a lot of information, okay? And you're gonna have to go away and you're gonna have to think about it, you're gonna have to process some of it. But write it down, think about it. Hopefully, it excites you. Hopefully, um, it's something that you recognize. Yes, this is what the church should be doing. I feel like this is really important. And I want to talk to you about some 2020, what we just called initiatives, okay? The very first one is this. We want to begin and start a Christian training center. Um, And in this, uh, it needs to be three words that are true about this thing. It needs to be real, it needs to be practical, and it needs to be truly training. Doesn't need to be some theoretical type thing. We want to do this Um, the reason we're doing it, the why is to prepare people to do God's work in the world. Who is this for? Listen, this is for anyone who desires to be equipped to do God's work in the world, not just pastors. All right. This is for anybody. We're all called. Remember all the talk we did about how we're called to be a part of, 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 of do our part in the body, that we're all called to a part to play in this. This is gonna be something to help equip people to do this. When will this start? In the fall of 2020. This is our goal, fall of 2020, that we'll kick this off. How's it gonna happen? We're gonna do four sessions that will be fall, spring, fall, spring, that'll cover the four growth areas. Practical teaching, It'll be, it's a commitment. It's a two-year thing, right? For some, it's not going to be the season for it. And that's okay. But for those who, this is what you need. Listen, maybe you um, uh, just want to be equipped for some area that God's put in your heart. Maybe uh, for you, you felt like, maybe God's calling me to something else and I want to explore that more. Maybe for you, it says, look, I just want to be equipped and trained for whatever God has for me in the future. This is what that is for. It's not for pastors. I think it will be good to help identify future church planners and things like that. But all sorts of people who are, who are called to be in service. See, the word for ministry in scripture in Greek is the same word for service. We get it all confused. We think that a minister is somebody that either wears you know the tie or the cloak or whatever that thing is, and, or does what I do. A minister is every Christian. We're all called to service in that way. And so that's what this will be about and for. The second one is a teen boys academy. It's not a home. I'm not gonna call, I want this to be something that builds dignity into these young men. Hopefully, eventually we're gonna have a teen girls academy. The teenage bracket is the most neglected bracket in our community and in you know, our society really. Um, and so we wanna do this so that we can connect their purpose to their god-given potential who's this for teenage boys good kids exposed to bad environments and by good i'm not talking about well they, they're not gonna be a part of it because they've got bad behavior bad behavior doesn't always indicate a bad heart and we need to see that and be willing to come alongside to be able to um, help restore and mend them help to Uh, teach them and give them a biblical foundation, but then also uh, to be able to see uh, them trained to go into the world. When the groundwork started, we've already been researching, we've already been looking, listen, um, at this, but the goal would be that it'd be functional within 18 months. And listen, this is not something that a church staff can do. This is something it takes a community of believers to do. Many of you have gifts and things that God has placed in you, experiences in life that will help with this. It's gonna take us all taking steps of faith to see these things happen. How's this gonna happen? It's a residential academy that restores, transforms, and trains. We wanna see restoration. We wanna see transformation happen through renewing your minds and giving hope. We wanna see um, People trained to live out, given life skills. The third one, the Connection Church Church Planning Network. That's a lot of C's. I have a hard time saying that every time. CC Church Planning Network. Why are we doing this? This is something we've been already kind of getting in gear to. Because we want to offer the gospel in places that need the good news of Jesus. I 100% believe this, that the best way to reach people is by planting churches in different places where they're needed. Who is this? We want to identify those we identify as called to, to spread the gospel by planting churches. People who are called to this. When does this happen? Between Statesboro, Vidalia, Millen, Dublin, and Pooler. We'd like to identify two um, church planners, people who feel called to go start new churches and bring them in by August of 2020. None of this is a scientific process, right? The dates may not be exactly right. We're gonna trust God to bring the people. We're just saying, God, this is where we're moving towards. You direct us how you see fit. But we wanna see that happen by 2020. How? We wanna consistently bring in people to what we're calling a church planning residency. I'm bringing them in to train them. It'll be about a two-year process where they're raised up, taught, trained, equipped to go out and do what God has put in their heart to do. The next thing, dump trucks about half full, half empty now. A church unity initiative. Why? We wanna see God glorified in his church by the love and unity of believers. This is what God wants. We see that in John 17 that his people would dwell in unity, Jesus prayed for that. What is it? We wanna see churches across our community praying and worshiping together. If we can get this and just begin to move with this. And there's pockets of it happening around. We just wanna be a part of a greater movement. Um, when's this happen? Already started. We've already got some churches that are gathering. It's Sunday night. We had at least three different churches who were here building relationships with a couple of others. It's really encouraging and incredible to see. The goal here would be to have 10 congregations worshiping and praying together by the end of 2020 that we can come together. And it's not about shopping, shopping, not about swapping sheep. It's about us just coming together and worshiping together and exalting Jesus together. How's it gonna happen? By intentionally building relationships with other churches. This is something I need to be more intentional about. It's something that we as a church and a body need to be more intentional about. Um, And so this church unity initiative. The next one, community counseling center, why? Because mental health care is an issue that the church needs to address. The church has got to get its head out of the sand and quit pretending this doesn't exist. People have to know that they can come for help uh, or go for help. And it's not something they have to be ashamed of because they're a believer. And so we wanna be able to do this. What? Provide mental health care to those who otherwise wouldn't get it. Listen, there's, there's so many people who they can't afford it. They have no access to it. We wanna be able to offer this to them. When? Operating by the end of this year. Um, you know, in some capacity that we're doing something with this to be able to operate in this. I feel like this will be a a good community effort to see this and pull this together. And so how's it going to happen? Establishing a mental health practice that will be affordable for those in need. Tagging along with this, and if you really step back and look at all these things, a lot of these overlap, they build upon each other. And this really will tag on to the teen, Teenage Boys Academy, the Community Counseling Center, but we like to see this, um, a life skills center. Why? Because many people have never been taught basic life skills. Even things like literacy, um, things like how to do a budget, all these different things. What was really cool is after nine o'clock, um, a gentleman came up to me and he's already developed this for a program at Georgia Southern. And he said, I'd love to be a part of helping you put this in place. And we've seen this over and over with these different initiatives that God's just bringing people um, to to help get these things started. And I hope you'll be a part of this as well. So we want to see people learn these basic life skills. What is it? A relational, and that's key, a relational ministry designed to equip those hindered because they lack basic life skills. When's it gonna happen? In conjunction with the Community Counseling Center and the Teen Boys Academy. So we wanna begin moving on this thing. Um, How's it gonna happen? By developing a relational ministry model designed to equip those hindered because they lack basic life skills. This needs to be a relational thing where we're literally walking alongside people. Another thing to tag on with this, that there will be a part of this. See, when we started the church, and I want y'all to understand this, we started the church, we didn't start it, it didn't even, we had to put it, you know, register whatever with the state, incorporate with the state. We didn't put it as Connection Church or Connection Church of Statesboro. It was put as Connection Ministries of Statesboro because in our heart was always that it would be more than a church. And so a lot of this stuff is really falling under that initial vision. And so these things being tagged on, I'd always seen like us having a thing where different ministries would be housed and people from the community could be ministered to, as well as us going into the community to do different things. The next thing though that goes along with this is a hygiene center, why? Many people lack the ability to take care of basic hygiene needs, okay? Listen, we have people come to the church from time to time, they just wanna take a shower. They said, hey, we hear that you'll let people take showers here. Well, can we just come in and take a shower? We see this. This is one of the big things in the schools today. People just don't have hygiene products, girls and feminine products, guys. I mean, just even clean underwear, socks, things like that. Guys, we're the church. We need to step up, right? So many people lack the Ability to take care of basic hygiene needs, either the skills or the, the, the resources. So it'll be a center that provides basic hygiene skills and products. When? In conjunction with the Community Counseling Center and the Teen Boys Academy. See, listen, all of this really begins to fit together. How's it gonna happen? By developing a relational ministry and facility stocked with items needed for basic hygiene, okay? Now this continues to tie in to this. Another thing we're, we're trying to work towards is building a stronger relationship with Bullock County Schools. Why do we want to do this? Through our Christmas service day efforts and different things, we realize that there's limited resources that are available to provide daily care for students of all ages. And I do want to say this, I know many of the counselors in the schools and they do a terrific job. I mean, they work their rear ends off. The thing that we want to do is be able to come alongside them and other churches that are partnering with them to be able to provide whatever may be lacking. What does this look like? Helping meet needs for clothing, food, hygiene items, college application fees, other immediate necessities, all kinds of different things. When's it going to happen? It's ongoing throughout the year. We, we, we do things like this but we, um, throughout the year, and it really... Um, Started a lot more but right before Christmas as we started recognizing more and more of these needs. But we want to see this be something that's continued throughout the year. How's it happen? By building relationships with the Bullock County Board of Education and by simply asking, what can we do to help? Just making ourselves available. I know a lot of teachers. My wife is in the school system. And they see it. There's so many children and teenagers who need help. And I I can't see as the church that we can look ourselves in the eye, that we can look in the mirror and justify so much of what goes on around us without doing anything to resolve it. To me, that's a huge level of hypocrisy. So the next steps in this. If everybody does something, we can do everything. If everybody does something, we can do everything. Guys, not even just this congregation. If everybody does something, we can can turn this community right side up. There's no doubt. I believe that. I believe that we truly serve a God who will do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine in unifying his church and, and going into the community and seeing the community transformed. So what do we need to do first? The first thing we need to do is pray and persevere. We need to pray. God moves when we pray. There's a mystery about prayer, isn't there? Because God is completely sovereign. And yet scripture tells us that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. We see where prayers change things. There's a mystery to it. I can't explain the whole mystery, but this is what I can tell you. Prayer is powerful. And if we will pray and not just pray a little, if we will persevere in prayer and we will persevere. You remember we talked about Joshua chapter one a while back and I told you God told him to be strong and courageous three times. He told him to be strong and courageous three times, not because it was gonna be easy, but because it was gonna be hard. Pray and persevere. The next thing, guys, and I want to encourage you with this. A lot of you have been around since we started this one in one campaign. It was started before we ever built this building. I could not settle it in my heart just to raise money to build a building. I've told you before, i tell you again. My least favorite thing in 11 years of ministry was raising money to build a building. Because I knew this, the church is not a building. But it was necessary. I believe that. And so we went into it and we said, we're going to give a dollar, every dollar we give towards this building, we're going to give towards missions and outreach. And I want to encourage you today and and myself today, let's get this going again, not because we need to build another building, but because we need to be able to do these things that God has put in our heart to do. And I can tell you this, I hated... you know, saying, hey, we need to build a building. We're gonna to have to raise this money. I do not have one problem at all saying we should all give something to help this stuff happen. This is what the church ought to be doing. I'm encouraging you because this is what I'm going to do. I've given some here and there to one in one, um, mostly my children's college savings. Um, sorry, guys. Um, But I'm going to go, I'm going to set it up to be recurring. Once a month, once a week, whatever. And listen, it goes back to what I said earlier. If everybody does something, we can do everything. I'm not telling you got to give this or this percent or whatever. Whatever God puts in your heart. But let's set that up. Let's do this. Let's see this happen as we walk and trust God through it. And this is what I believe is that God will provide it somehow. He always has. Next thing, what's in your heart? What's God called you to? What's in your heart? What are these things? Or listen, that's not the only things we need to be. Is God putting something else in your heart that you feel like God's calling me to do this in the community? Then, Then let's rally, let's do that. Doesn't have to be something that's up here, but what's in your heart? What's in your heart? And if you have interest in these things, God's stirring your heart for some of these. Um, Look, you can call the church, you can email the church, you can go to the next steps table. They got a thing you can sign up on and say, hey, I'd like to know more about this. I'd like to be a part of this, whatever it is. There'll be something you'll see on social media. Um, You will, I won't, because I'm not on it, but there'll be something on social media that you can go to and you can say, hey, sign up, I wanna know more about this. I'd like to be involved in this. But what's in your heart? Pray about this, take this seriously. What does God wanna do? Maybe it's something outside of these things. But whatever it is, let's begin to take next steps. Let's give God an empty jar. Let's offering a sacrifice of ourselves as a a living sacrifice to him. Let's, Let's burn the plows and let's begin to step into things that God's called us to. And the last thing I'll tell you is that this model will not work and we talked about this for a long time. This right here, not gonna get this done. This right here, God can use it in massive ways. If everybody does something, we can do everything. And God's called you, I've told you this for months and even years, God has called you to be a part of taking ground for his kingdom you may not see it you may not recognize it but if you are a believer the holy spirit is in you and he has gifted you may not recognize the giftings you may say i'm the least gifted person in here well if you are then there's a good chance that you probably are one of the most qualified because the bible tells us that god uses the the base things the dumb things of the world to confound the wise so when somebody tells me, man, that was a great message. You really do a good job preaching. You know what it tells me? I'm dumb, I'm base, I'm the, the least of the, the world because that's who God uses. So let's, let's look at this. Let's, let's, let's pray about this. Let's get into this. Let's embrace this. says the next slide is end of show. So I'm guessing that was the last bit in the dump truck. But I'm excited about this, guys. The verse or, or section of scripture that's been on my heart all week, and, and somebody really kind of confirmed this for me Friday, has been the count of Jesus and the 10 lepers. It's in Luke chapter 17. Have y'all, y'all remember that? Some of you read that? where there's 10 lepers, they begin to call out to Jesus and, and uh, they're, they're, they've got leprosy, so they can't come near people, but they're crying out to him, they're begging for mercy, have compassion on us, that kind of thing. And, and he's, he, he does, he says, listen, go show yourselves to the priests. And the the ten begin to go off, and nine just continue going to the priest, and they had to go to the priest because, according to the law, in order for them to be integrated back into the community, they had to show the priest that they had been healed. And so, ten of them go off to show themselves to the priest to be able to come back into their regular life. But one comes back out of the ten, and he falls at Jesus's feet, and he begins to worship him and, and, and worship Jesus. And Jesus tells him, "Look." Your faith has made you well. And see in this is something greater than, than him being healed of leprosy. In him by his faith, not only has he been healed of leprosy but he's found salvation and eternal life in Jesus. But here's the thing that I kept thinking about is we don't need to be, I don't wanna be, I don't want us to be a people who just kinda think we wanna come get what Jesus has to offer and then go about our business without coming back and praising him for it, for what he's done, right? And that's the people that we need to be. Have we experienced God's love in a way that we're willing to come back and put it at his feet? And we're willing to come and lay it at his feet. Are we truly willing to be a living sacrifice? There was something else I saw in this and I wanna share it because it's been in my heart. I can't get rid of it. But there's something interesting about that account in Luke 17. All of those, the nine went on to the priests. They turned back to their old life. They went back to what they knew. They went back to this religious system, this Jewish system that that they'd always known. But here's the interesting thing about that y'all. They went back to something that could never heal them before. They went back to something, a system that had only condemned them and isolated them. Here's what's incredible. They walked away from the one who had the power to heal, the power to save and went back to a system that can never do that for them. That is a perfect picture of what happens when we begin to put rules and law ahead of relationship with Jesus. We run to something that can only condemn, never saves, never sets free, never heals, and and we forsake the one who, who heals and saves and transforms. And I wanted to tag that onto this, guys, because I want you to see the reason that we're doing what we're doing. It's not to create a system. It's to lead people back to Jesus. That's the purpose for all of it. And I want you to see these these. Lepers, These men, they were so dirty and unclean. Jesus healed them. He said, go, go show yourself to the priest. And on the way, they were healed. As a church, we need to be people who desire to see those that the world deems as unclean that the world deems as even sometimes untouchable, that we see them reconciled and made whole through the power of Jesus. For some of us here today, all we've ever known is being stuck into a system of church that only condemns. I wanna encourage you, there's something much better and it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with the living God, the God who sent his son, that his son would go to a cross, that the sin of the world would be placed upon him, that the wrath of God would be placed upon him for that sin, that he would be condemned so that we could be set free, that he would be arrested and bound so we could be set free. He took the wrath of God upon himself for our sin so we could come to life. He died so we could live. This so is why don't we do all of this. I wanna wrap up, um, but before I do, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond, not even to all of this right now, but to get the first things first. The first thing is, I'm coming to the healer, I'm coming to the Savior, I'm coming to the Lord of Lords, I'm coming to Jesus who took my sin and by faith, I can have his life, I can have his righteousness. Maybe you have felt unclean and unworthy and, and, and like God could never save me, well that's a lie. And today God offers that to you. And my words can't save you, the Holy Spirit saves you. But if today the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and you know in your heart that God is calling you to a relationship with himself through Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus, and you've never trusted Jesus with your life before, then I'm going to ask you to be very bold. And this is something that we we love to celebrate. I ask you to be bold. Today, the Lord has stirred your heart to say yes to him for the first time. I want to ask you to stand to your feet and say, today, I'm coming to Christ. I wanna know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. All right, well, let's pray. Um, and, And seriously, guys, let's take this away and let's begin to pray about how we can get involved with this. Father, I thank you for your truth and your word. I thank you, God, for calling us to yourself. God, I pray we'll be a church that um, doesn't uh, wander off to our own things and our, and our old ways, God, our old life, um, but God, we would be a people who continually return thanks and praise to you, Lord. God, we love you. We thank you for leading us, God, into the things that um, you're calling us to God that it would be able to turn a community right side up Lord that the gospel would truly go into dark places and be a light uh, in dark places God we just thank you for that Jesus thank you for the work you have done for us on the cross thank you Holy Spirit for the work you do in us and thank you for the work that God that you do through us let it all be glorifying to you Lord glorifying you um, and you and let it be exalting to you in your name. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey guys, y'all have a good week. Enjoy the Super Bowl or the food, either one.